Hello, Horror Fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen. And we welcome you to our weekly ish podcast. Oh, horror. horror. (laughs) Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe or follow to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at OTH at seriouslydecent.com you can check out our website ohthehorrorpodcast.com to catch up on our back catalog and our back catalog and our back (laughs) Back catalog because for the longest time guys that's all you had because three months we were out yes yep we were so we're back we are we um yeah so if you weren't in the social circles or anything of that nature and you heard the last episode by chance if you're in a chronological deal here. Uh, my mother passed away. She did. December 3rd mm-hmm. uh, to cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a long, long haul. It long was. Long fight. Yep. Uh, she didn't suffer in the end, which was nice. Yes. And um, That's really all you can ask. So yeah, this really kind of went back to Veterans Day weekend. Yeah. When things started getting hectic. Yeah. And yep. complicated. Yes. My mom was getting symptoms of basically her faculties leaving her, which required more and more care, mm-hmm. which we were have, having a hard time providing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the healthcare system doesn't really uh, help out in those situations, unfortunately, unless no. you're in the hospital. And that's what I was trying to do, was get her into the hospital. Yeah. And uh, the hospital wasn't playing ball. They no. were like, she's okay. Yeah. And then, um, then she had a fall. Yes. Which was a strange situation because she called me. She did. On a phone that she, she didn't, couldn't use. She for didn't know how to use for weeks. Weeks. But called me to tell, tell me she fell and she needed help. Yep. And uh, it was a ride of watching God's hand at work from there on in. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Yep. Uh, so much so that it even paused the staff. To be like, wow, there's a lot going on here. And yeah. uh, I'm not going to talk a lot about it now. I think it's going to have its place yes. in certain future episodes. Yes. But um, but it, it was an amazing event. Yes. And uh, changed my whole way of how I look at everything. Yeah. Literally everything. And I A needed... lot has, has changed. Everything's changed. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Everything, the way I, I view things, the way I look yep. at things. Yep. My parting advice to everyone with this is really just life is too short. Take advantage of your loved ones around you. Yep. Say hi. Yep. Put the phone down. Yep. And just be in the moment. Yeah. Because that moment could disappear at any time. Yeah. Um, and sure. you're fortunately, I was able to say the things I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we did some forgiveness back and forth. And, mm-hmm. And things, and uh, I'm very blessed that we got to have that. Yeah. Because I know there's people that just don't. I know there's people who don't live with a parent at all. Yes. Or have a parent in their Mm -hmm. life. And I'm very blessed that she was in my life. And Mm -hmm. I just um, am so appreciative of everything she's ever done for Mm me and um, for us. Yeah. And uh, she just had a huge heart. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it it was an incredible experience. And like it I was. said, just to watch God's hand at work, I had two nurses that were like, I don't understand how this is happening. 
you know, because mm-hmm. it was a really rocky road with the system. It was. We had our backs against the wall. I say we, my brother and I, and you were over here holding the fort down. Yep. And then it's interesting because these notes, this was the episode we were going to do. Yeah, we were supposed just to do before this one. before we left yep. out. Uh, and this is the cult of the month, Zen Master Rama. And I yep. figured, what a way to start back, you know, yeah. just the kind of thing with all that. And I really wanted to do this episode because uh, it was something fans of the show requested. Mm-hmm. There was a, a few of them uh, that were into the cult of the months. And so I wanted to do this. But I know we had some shows spread out and you were asking before like what do you want to do and i was i think we should just kind of hit a reset and start over yep um so yeah it's been three months since we've done our last episode it has a lot happened a lot happened a lot's taken place uh christmas happened yeah the holiday and and tying up the rest of your mom's affairs affairs. yeah a very dear family friend also passed away another family friend her funeral you got sick yeah for almost three weeks it was two it was yeah it was two full weeks but i mean almost three yeah and uh yeah it was it was a lot going around but uh through all of it uh yeah i'm just i'm just happy I'm very, very happy. Yep. And I'm not saying it to remind myself of it. I mm-hmm. I am on fire. You know, we were talking about that today in the men's group. It's just like I am on fire. Like I see I see so much that I didn't see before. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm just very blessed with it. So uh yeah, we'll call this season five because okay. it's the new year. All right. This is episode one hundred and uh four, because we left off on season three. It's a good question. I'm pretty sure it's four. We gotta hash all this crap out. I know. It's important. This is importante. <laughs> uh yes, season four. Yes. You're right. I made that change. Uh episode 152 in sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little weird looking at these notes because I remember where I was, where my head was mm-hmm. writing these. Mm-hmm. And uh it's a total different thing. Yeah. You know. Um, I still stand by what my notes are and what I said, but, uh, <laughs> but just going back in time and it's like, man, I didn't know any of this stuff was going to happen. I didn't know any of this stuff was taking place. You know, I had no idea. I had an idea that something like that was going to happen because when you have a family member with cancer, that is really what you think about. Yes. Is the day or yep. the week or yeah. the what have you. And no matter what I can, the only advice I could say to everyone is you're not prepared for it. No. I don't care what you have. And like our close friend that passed away, my buddy, his dad passed away 20 years ago or 12 years ago from cancer. And he texted me. He's like, I thought I had this all figured out. He's like, I don't have a damn thing figured out. No. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's impactful. It is. But, uh, yeah. So Zen Master Rama, my, uh, sources are, um, basically it was a, a YouTube channel. Uh, atrocity guide in slave obeys it was called okay and um yeah just the kind of variety of websites nothing specific zenmasterrama.com mhm remediationsociety.org mm-hmm. and washingtonpost.com were my sources gotcha sources 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 <laughs> sources sources 
All right. Yeah, so we'll do this. Are we're we going to dive into this We're going to dive into this, and we're still going to be a one-take podcast. So, um, <laughs> what you hear if, is what you get, If guys. you just started listening to us today, I promise you we're much better than this. I, I, sorry, not sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would listen to some other stuff before you part. Yeah. Uh, yeah but, yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to get back on the horse, and that's yes. today we're like, screw it. Let's do it. Yep. You know? So... Who are we talking about? Who is Zen Master Rama? What is this? Dr. Frederick Lenz. Dr. Frederick Lenz was an enlightened teacher who taught meditation and mindfulness from the early 70s until his death in 1998. During that time, he taught a range of pathways from yoga to mysticism to Taoism and Buddhism. In each practice, he sought to find and transmit the essence of the pathway so that his students could realize their own enlightenment in this lifetime. Rama dedicated his life to the proposition that Westerners, in a modern, fast-paced society, can't achieve spiritual enlightenment without religious ceremony. And we have to add at this point, this is during the 70s when all this has taken place, just to put it into context. Yes. And beginning in 1986 and extending until the end of his life, Rama focused principally on Buddhism. Mm -hmm. He kicked off this period with a lavish advertising campaign and seminars in major cities across the U.S., and the advertising drew large crowds to his seminars, but it also created considerable criticism for his use of the term Zen master and his unorthodox methods. And about a year um, after he ended the seminar series, self-realization is not about teachers. And as such, this site makes no excuses for his methods. This is from the Zen master Mm. Rama Mm -hmm. site. Self-realization is about, is about your personal practice. This site offers you a taste of what we learned from Rama. And if you if you like to learn more, they suggest that you obtain a copy of Rama's talks on Tantric Zen, which uh, were published by the Frederick Lenz Society for American Buddhism. Rama, Dr. Fer- uh, Frederick Lenz, was an American Buddha whose life was dedicated to teaching meditation, mindfulness, and transmitting enlightenment. And his extensive teachings are available for free to download from the resources section. Full free? Full free. Oh. So he was born on February 9th of 1950 in San Diego, California. And we're going to hard stop for a second. Surprise, not surprise. Surprise, not. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, what are you doing, California? Because if it's not cults, (coughs) it's serial killers. Yeah, it's um, you know, what what are you gonna call it? Free ideas place. I I, I don't know what the excuses are anymore. Yeah, I, but there's, I mean, granted, I'll put it to this: there's a lot of people that live there. Yeah, you know, so you have a population thing. Yeah, but yeah, there's also this for whatever it is, free spirit direction, mm-hmm. and it takes these weird turns. Oh you yeah, know? And, the wing nuts um, love it there. Well, no, because I mean, there's a lot of normal people. There are in California. Yeah, there, there really, truly is. Uh, but yeah, you. My have... uncle's one of them. <laughs> are we gonna call him normal or? <laughs> he's a wingnut in the you other know? direction. Yeah, like he's yeah. not the free spirited uh, mm, hippie Buddha. No. Yeah, you know, I only see him once a month or once a year. <laughs> you know? But 
No, it's it is questionable. All the stuff that mounts up. I mean, especially from a cult perspective. Yeah. Like either they start there or they head there. Right. And that's their destination, and that's where they end up. Yep. And yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard to kind of maneuver around that after you do so many of them. You know. Yeah. After doing the research, it's like. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I think I'll visit California, but I would never. Yeah. I would never consider it as a place to uh, plant roots. Mm, yeah. It's too expensive for one. It is pricey. Yeah. 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 For wanna, me. I want to go where my dollar buys more. Here's my problem with California. And it has nothing to do with people, politics, economy, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's what I don't like about it is probably the big reason why a lot of people go there. The weather's the same. Yeah. I couldn't do that. As a New Yorker, my whole entire life, mm-hmm. I not having four seasons. I was be, talking to somebody yeah. about this. It's like I could not do the same weather, same temperature, all the time, because seasons have done this ritual thing for me, mm-hmm. where every new season I look as a a, a different way to do things, a different mm-hmm. start, mm-hmm. a different you know. For example, we're in the middle of winter at mm-hmm. this point. I am living a life now that I will not be living in July. Right. It's just a matter of fact. Yes. I'm more indoors. Mm-hmm. I read more. I study things up. I try to. Hey, Bass Pro Shop, bring your indoorsy T-shirt back, please. Thank you. <laughs> no, but it's it's more indoors stuff. I mean, yeah. obviously, other than doing stuff with the dog but mm-hmm. but also like it's it's dark yeah a lot mm-hmm. you know i mean we only have maybe 12 hours at best sometimes at the worst it's like 10 hours of daylight i was gonna you say know. is it even that long because yeah. no it's a good point i'd say eight hours at some point yeah you know because you're looking literally at like eight to five yeah and it's just and it's done yeah and and it's dark. It's not gradual. No. Like, you're done with work at dark. five and it's yeah. pitch freaking, it's yeah. dark out. Yeah. You know, so now the summer comes and that's nine o'clock and it's or still, 10. and it's still light out. Yeah. Like it's dusk. Yeah. And it's a whole different way. So I have these, I have these uh, seasonal things that I do, mm-hmm. you know, spring, you're cleaning up, you're cleaning around the house mm-hmm. and. You know, it's muddy and dirty still from the winter and all that, but but it's, to me, a beginning. And to a lot of people, it is. It's a beginning. It's not really the beginning of the year. Like, the real beginning is spring, when the snow's gone, the warmer weather, and you're outside, and you're cleaning the yard, and it's that nice beginning of the long part of, you know, getting into spring and summer mm-hmm. and closing out fall. Summer is where it's like it's showtime and you're doing all these things. And, yeah. and, you know, you, you, and, but I think also what it does is it, you know, all those weekends that get cluttered up quick, mm-hmm. you know, and you'll start talking to people. It's like, yeah, we got to do something. It's like, yeah, all right, let's do something. And then you're like, well, I can't see you in June because that's booked. Yeah. And half of July's booked. I might get you at the end of July, you know, and maybe, maybe you know, and then August is a wrap, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. And I think it just gives you that opportunity to sit there and go, yeah, no, time is precious. It is. You know, it's this precious commodity mm-hmm. that I have. And then fall comes in, and I just love fall. I love everything about it. It's the 
fall in New York is just really one of those just beautiful things. I'd say fall in the Northeast. Yeah. It's just a beautiful thing. It's yep. the, the air is just a different. Han Solo season. Yeah. The air is just a different smell and mm-hmm. the the colors with the leaves and and you see that bit of everything dying off and and now you're looking at, okay, I'm getting into winter mode and what am I going to do for winter? You know, I don't want to, and I know other people are different, but I'm just speaking for myself. Like, you know, you hear it all the time. It's like, okay, I can't sit on the couch all day and watch TV. I can't binge shows. I can't mm-hmm. do this. I have to do things. I have to be somewhere on the other side of winter that I wasn't at the beginning, you know? And uh, yeah, to not have that and go to like San Diego or wherever, where it's just, 75 degrees, sunny, beautiful, every single day, and that's it. Except when it's raining. Yeah, you know, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Well, apparently. I would seek meaning somewhere. So apparently this is, they I, did. Yeah, and this is where I think, I think I'm walking myself right into how cults, because you asked, like, why there? I think that's, you know, you, you get lost and you need meaning. Mm-hmm. And so now you're fishing for, for meaning. Well, and, his family didn't stay in San Diego either. No, they did not. Because they moved to Connecticut when he was three years old. His mother's family had a large home in Stamford, and his first immersion into the deep, uh, absorbed states of consciousness known as Sanskrit, or Samadhi, happened when he was only three years old. Eh. He recalled sitting in his mother's garden as it dissolved into light and the world went away. Or he was sitting in his mother's garden... And he slowly fell asleep. Or he just played. Like I'm going with he fell asleep. Do. Yeah. Yep. That's how it dissolved and went away. Sure. <laughs> In his youth, Rama at first attended Catholic schools and then upon his parents' divorce and his father's subsequent remarriage, attended Stanford public schools. As a young teen, he recalled reading an entire set of books he found in his father's library on the subject of Buddhism. And he felt a natural affinity for the teachings. Yeah, I get that. His second immersion in Samadhi took place at age 18 on a San Diego mountaintop. Soon after, as he later described to a small group of students while visiting Nepal, he encountered a Tibetan Buddhist teacher who predicted that Rama would regain his past life enlightenment and revive a lost lineage of ancient knowledge. Predictions that seemed impossible at the time but in fact, came to fruition. We'll see. In his college years, Rama attended the University of Connecticut, where he was inducted as a member of Phi Beta Kappa and graduated magna cum laude. After winning a highly competitive State of New York Graduate Council Fellowship, he received his MA and PhD in English Literature from the State University of New York at Stony Brook. Fun fact, my sister went to Stony Brook for, I think it was a semester, and I got to tell you, one of the worst rides to one of the kids' colleges that's not a, ever. That's not a good ride out there. It's really not, especially if you have motion sickness. Yeah, or you got to be somewhere quick because yeah. you're not getting anywhere no, quick. No. While <laughs> avidly pursuing his academic studies, he also spent thousands of hours teaching and offering free meditation workshops to people across the globe. He was instrumental in thousands of people learning how to meditate, and soon after receiving his Ph.D., Dr. Lenz became a best-selling author. His first book, Lifetimes, True Accounts of Reincarnation, 
was hailed for its honest, straightforward stories of real people's past life memories. He was invited to speak on many television shows and at universities. And I'm going to take a hard stop for a second because can we stop calling people that have a Ph.D. doctor? Can we reserve that for medical doctors, surgeons? You're really getting at like the core of something. Because you can get a PhD in anything. Anything. In uh, ancient studies. You just got to put the time in it. Why don't you just go by PhD? I, that's my thing. You earned, you earned that degree. Yeah. Put those letters behind your name. Mm hmm. Just like the people that put all the other letters behind their name. Yeah. And let's reserve doctor for what it truly is. Yeah. A medical doctor. Yeah. Because I'm going to tell you, the uh, doctor of art history is probably not going to be saving lives. Not in the airplane. No. You know, because we introduce ourselves. Yes. And I'm like, I'm Dr. 2R. Oh, yes. you're a real there doctor? A doctor on the no, plane? I'm a doctor of history. Yeah. And then they, you know. Or I don't even get into that. I'm just, I'm Dr. 2R. No, oh, nice I to meet you. See the doctor. And then the nurse, and then the nurse, or the, the flight stewardess goes, Is there a doctor? And you point at me, and yeah. you're like, uh, Guess what? He's a I doctor. sit next to a doctor, and I'm like, No, I'm a different doctor. I mean, I'm not that kind I'm of doctor. I'm not that kind of doctor. Exactly. Like, like the doctors that originated from the word. Yeah. You know. You know yeah. Doctors. I, <laughs> without going crazy rant. Yes. I think doctor came into play. Because PhDs were a thing, and they've mm -hmm. been a thing for a long yeah. time. And they started it with doctors, and then it just inherited it through there. But I'm like like you. They should segment that off yes. and just be like, no, you're no. a PhD. You're a PhD. I'm a doctor. Yes. You know. Yes. And and it would have been right in the world. But yes. this is where higher ed starts to well, get Well, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Higher ed's lost their mind. The degree that you get as a PhD is not the degree you get as a medical doctor. No, it's not nothing anything. Because like you get a doc, you're, well, no. you become a doctor of medical science. No, and then here's the worst part of it. What? Then they have honorary PhD. Yeah. Where you don't even have to go to a university. No, you don't even have to do the thesis. A lot of it is is people donate money. Yeah. And stuff like here's that. Here's your honorary and degree. Here's your honorary P your honorary yeah. degree and your honorary PhD. Yeah. Guess and what? Now, that doesn't make you a doctor either. Yeah. But there's a lot of people oh, that tote that around. Uh-huh. Ton of them. Yeah. You know, and that just uh again. I'm sorry. I can't give higher Shame ed. Shame on you. I just can't give higher ed the credit that no, it wants. Because no. if you're just going to hand it out to somebody. Then it's meaningless. Then what happens to the... Could Here's you, your participation trophy. Could you imagine if you were in a university and you spent all this money and time into getting I would a PhD. Be pissed and then all of a sudden... I worked for two years on my doctoral thesis. Alone. And I was... Busting my ass on this, yeah, so that I could get this. Let's degree. talk about the eight years and of then, college you got to get to yes. that, though. And Susie Buttons gives yeah. them five hundred thousand dollars, or it's just famous, yeah, because it's for famous yeah. people too. Here you go. Here's your honorary PhD. I would be pissed. Yeah, I would be just absolutely inconsolable. Yeah. I'd be rotten for the rest of my life, which is why 
You wonder if yeah. many are rotten. You know, yeah. I mean, I just, yeah, I, I really have the hardest time with higher ed with that stuff. And I mm-hmm. used to go back and forth with people at a previous job that yeah. I had that had a yeah. lot of higher ed people around. And, yeah. and I, I didn't have any of that. Yeah. You know, I would, and, and I here would I am, be the, livid, especially if someone just donated money or they just had or just being or a just celebrity be famous. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my God, I've got a doctorate, too. No, no, you don't. Yeah. How dare you? How dare you say you have the same as the person who put in the time and the effort and actually knows what it is they did their dissertation on? Yeah. They could actually tell you the whole process of it. Yeah. What they went through, what the process means, yeah. what it all means yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. And you play pretend on TV. <laughs> we are not the same. <laughs> so. Yeah. Take that for what you will. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. His next book. Total Relaxation provided many keys, tips, and solutions to dealing with life's pressures. Maybe. This book was also lauded by the medical and psychological communities, and Rama was invited to make numerous TV appearances, including, wait for it, the Phil Donahue show. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If you're a Gen Xer, you know exactly what that means. So here's celebrities with honorary degrees. I just did a quick Google. Yeah. Ben Affleck, Denzel Washington, Meryl Streep, Justin Timberlake, Oprah Winfrey, Kanye West, Hillary Clinton. I mean, which she actually got a law degree. Yeah. I mean, as much yeah. as okay. I can't stand her. I mean, that. Yeah. I mean, she did yeah. put in the work. Yeah. Michelle Obama, of course. Aretha Franklin, Kerry Washington, J.K. Rowling, Taylor Swift. And there's, there's a lot of them. Muhammad Ali. Um, Sean Diddy Combs. Diddy. Yeah. He's got an honorary doctorate degree from Howard University. Do they tell you in what? Just No. Oh, it's just an honorary it's doctorate? It's honorary doctorate. In nothing? Yeah, it's in nothing. You know? <laughs> yeah. Ed Sheeran. It's got one. Whatever. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They'll hand this shit out to anybody. Jennifer Garner. I heard she's actually pretty pretty smart. I don't know if that's true, but I'm just saying. She was awarded an honorary doctor of humane letters degree. You okay. can tell me what that means at any time. Lionel Richie. Celine Dion. Yeah. <sighs> Those are some of the uh, celebrities. Well, that you got. know what I'm glad to hear is that Tom Cruise doesn't have one. Oh, give it time. Yeah. Give it time. Well, it's a good thing that uh, Scientology can't hand out honorary need, doctors. He doesn't need That's a right. doctor. I'm sorry. He's clear. Because he's clear. Yes. Yeah. So fuck those losers. It's, uh... <laughs> Throughout his 20s, when he meditated, Rama went into the deep, absorbed state of consciousness known as sleep. No, I'm sorry. As Sanskrit, (laughs) in Sanskrit is samadhi. At the age of 30, after years of profound meditations and teaching others to meditate, Rama cycled into a new state, Sahasha Nirvikalpa Samadhi, 
where the state of samadhi is always in the mind and there is no duality. He was now enlightened, guys. Like, enlightened. Mm -hmm. And really, I bet he just, like, fell asleep when he was meditating. And he's like, oh, my God, I traveled to all of these worlds. I don't know. I, I guarantee he had an experience. You know, okay. I guarantee he had an experience. Most people do when they're meditating, you know. I mean, when you go through kind of the timeline thing with here, I, mm -hmm. I got extra things to add. But but to add that in a small portion, there's no way at this point where you have these gurus, they fully believe their stuff. Yes. You know, so something did happen. But how he handled that, Mm -hmm. is where the rule book the rule book gets thrown out. So Rama's awareness was so powerful that those sitting in meditation with him were transported into deep, light-filled silence. As his meditations continued to progress toward higher, more advanced states, the golden light he naturally emitted became more and more palpable. Throughout his 20s, Rama had studied with an Indian teacher, but as his own meditative experiences deepened and his past life enlightenment returned, Rama saw that it was time to start his own teaching program. He formed his first teaching organization in 1981 and called it Lakshmi, after the Indian goddess of beauty and abundance. Soon, as his abilities to communicate and transmit the essential teachings of enlightened Buddhist mind and fill entire auditoriums with the golden light of the superconsciousness became known. Thousands of people in San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Phoenix, Boston, Chicago, and New York began to attend his lectures. Many hundreds applied to become his students. Rama ran his student program like a college graduate program. All of his students lived in their own homes and managed their lives. Rama believed that with a strong meditative practice, his students could live and work in the world, practice mindfulness, advance their lives, aid others, and achieve spiritual and material success. Rama's goal was to find his past life students and bring them to enlightenment. He constantly sought practical Western means to help his students to transform and grow. He was a feminist and a strong advocate of the power of women. He was an advocate of computer science starting in 1981, a time when a PC weighed about 50 pounds and had 16 kilobytes of memory. He selected computer science because the profession provided training for the mind and a strong mind is necessary for a strong meditation practice. He taught his students and members of the public countless ways to lead a successful, spiritual, and material life in an overcrowded and psychically polluted world. From 1981 and for the next 17 years, Rama's abilities to communicate and transmit the essential teachings of Tantric Buddhism became one of his hallmarks. He made advanced topics easy to understand. While he spoke extemporaneously and at length on many topics, sometimes just one or two words to a student, would keep the student transforming for months. To encounter a fully awakened American Buddhist teacher was an extraordinary experience. Rama effortlessly exuded the siddhas, or powers, that are described in Buddhist and Hindu texts. For people attending Rama's talks, witnessing levitation, disappearance, beautiful colors, and waves of golden light all around Rama and spreading through the hall or room were commonplace. His attitude toward such phenomena was pure and humble. 
He said that if people saw the reality of the Sitas, they would also believe that enlightenment was real. In the mid-90s, Rama published two more books, the best-selling novel Surfing the Himalayas and the sequel Snowboarding to Nirvana. He said that these books contain the core of his teachings. Working with Zazen, a band that he formed and produced, he created numerous musical albums capturing and conveying the energy of enlightenment through music. Rama was tall, at six foot three, had curly hair and lucid, shining, hazel green eyes. He was extremely polite and treated all whom he encountered with respect and gentleness, courtesy and courtesy. He was disarming with his humble and down-to-earth manner, yet he was hip and had a terrific sense of humor and kept abreast of the important matters happening around the planet. Sounds like a swell guy. It's a dream boat. Rama attracted seekers who had commitment and fortitude. People who studied with him tended to be rebels, strong, intelligent, self-reliant people who wanted an uncommonly fine physical and spiritual life. Through practicing meditation and mindfulness, his students became spiritual warriors who worked very hard to apply the teachings in their own ways and with their own unique approaches to their careers, their practice, their relationships, their lives, their pets. Dr. Lenz was a major contributor to National Public Radio in Connecticut and a donor and supporter of the American Civil Liberties Union, the National Cancer Institute, the AIDS Fund, Amnesty International, the National Museum of Women and the Arts in Washington, D.C., Shadokan Karate, the the Costo Society, and the Audubon Society. Wow, he uh, had a wide array of... You got to keep people happy. Yeah. Otherwise, they're going to start snooping in your business. Exactly. Frederick Lenz passed away on April 12, 1998 in Long Island, New York, and willed the majority of his estate to support all forms of American Buddhism. The foundation formed in his name as the Frederick P. Lenz Society for American Buddhism. More about Rama can be found in American Buddhist Rebel, an acclaimed biography of Rama, Dr. Frederick Lenz. The book describes Rama's youth, his teenage encounter with a Tibetan monk, his enlightenment at age 31, and his early teaching years. So now we're going to get into what others say about Mr. Rama. <clears throat> yeah, so let me let me take a spin here for okay. a bit. You know, so his big claim to fame mm-hmm. was that he could turn a room gold in minutes, they would say. Well, yeah, that's the you golden know. light. No, that's what I mean yeah. by this golden light. Mm-hmm. And he would do this through meditation. Mm-hmm. And basically enforcing peace of mind via meditation. Mm -hmm. And so he starts getting a following and he's explaining this. So this is already where you're corrupting thoughts of people. Right. Because you say, well, it's many hundreds of people saw this and and signed up. And and gold. No, they see this room of gold. So now your head is shrunk to, you know, your, your mind's eye, so to speak, is shrunk to this one concept. You're not thinking of anything else. So. You get people that have never slowed down for anything in their lives or they're trying to slow down and it doesn't work out because basically all this stuff that he was doing with meditation is just to slow down using breathing. Mm-hmm. It's all it is. It's a simple exercise. Anybody can do it. So what he would use is called uh, basically gazing and he would have people gaze into him mm-hmm. 
to manipulate peace. Mm-hmm. And so now what you're doing is you're pausing, breathing, focusing, but this is where the manipulation takes place. You think that the only way you're finding peace is because you're looking and gazing at him. Mm-hmm. You can't do this anywhere else. It doesn't get the duplicated effort. And they've already pumped all this precon- preconceived notions into your head. Right. And and here's where you're at. And so now you got people that are focused because a quiet mind is, <laughs> believe it or not, focused. Yeah. You quiet your mind, it's focused. And See, that's, that's my problem with uh, meditation. Yeah. Like, I can go through my day. I'm just fine. But the minute I sit down and I'm like trying to quiet myself, mm-hmm. it's like I've got. Yeah, it's a whole just thing of chaos going. Yeah. It's like I've got That's, a this cacophony a, of. This is a problem and, that people have all the time, especially now with all the distractions that mm-hmm. are around the phones, the just everything. And, and it really is tough to walk away and everybody says, well, you know, I can't take that time, like you said, because right. I get distracted. And it's like, that's the point. Yeah. That's the point is yeah. that you're distracted. Now you got to ask yourself, why am I distracted? Mm-hmm. And that's what these gurus would do. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing now. Yeah. It's it's not, it wasn't new when he was doing it. Yeah. And it's not new now. Um, it's a game that's been played for a long, long time. and And even churches will work with this a bit. But the thing is, is the moment you say the source of it is this person, Mm -hmm. that's where you're really on dangerous ground at this point. And we commonly say that. But, you know, you've got people that are focused and they've got this quiet mind and it's because they're focused and and it's quiet. And and so now what would happen is is people were starting to follow them. Mm -hmm. And now what you get is people are cutting contact with family and friends. Yep. Even their children. Yeah. They're cut in contact with and they would happily separate as spouses because it's such a drain on their path to enlightenment. And that was the whole thing. You've got to get rid of all the stuff because it's holding you back. It's holding you down. And this is where you start getting into cultville. If you know you're in a group of people, I don't care whether it's a religion, um, a yoga group or meditation group or Buddhist group or whatever. And they start saying, you've got to peel. And you hear this a lot. Like, I hear this on social media all the time. I got to get people out of my life. I got to get this out. I got to yeah. I gotta lean up, quote unquote. You hear that stuff. And it's like, really? You know, that's not the best attitude to have. You yeah. want to have a lot of people around you because that's right. how you learn things. That's yeah. how you learn different perspectives of things. And that's also how people can call you on your bullshit. Yeah. Help but, bring you back But that's down. the problem we have yeah. now is people get called on their bullshit or they just contest an yeah. idea or theory. Well, well, I don't need you. I'm not going to listen to yeah. you. And it's like, well, maybe you might want to just hear them out. Yeah. You know, or maybe they have a lot to offer, but you just disagree on this one thing. Right. You know, and so you're just going to say, screw this, you Bye. know, and that's what these people were doing. So now in parallel with all this, you've got Lenz, Zen master Rama, mm-hmm. and he, there's this other guru that he was inspired by. And his name was uh, Chinmoy Kumar. Uh, I forget the last yeah, I've name. Got a, so, I've got some stuff. So this was a guy that did all these crazy feats. And I remember mm-hmm. this on TV where he would paint like 300 paintings in like, you know, a ridiculous amount of time, like an hour or something like that. And he would, 
create this music and he'd create this music and it was shit music. I mean, it was just terrible. Sounded terrible, but everybody's like, Oh, he's in tune, man. You know, he's in tune with everything. You don't get it. You know, it's like, I don't know. I'm a musician. I think I might get this. Yeah. This is the one thing I you might get. You know when music doesn't sound you good. Know. Everyone knows well, when music, music doesn't sound Well, a musician definitely knows. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's... Yes. <laughs> there's a whole structure thing in all a that. A non-musician but, here. And yeah. I know when music doesn't sound good. But he right. would do all these these crazy feats. And they and they really honestly weren't impressive. They, he just did a lot of little things often repetitively, the same thing, with a little bit of difference. And, and you know, you get these people that need to follow somebody. And, you know, there's this saying I have it on my, uh, it's like a sticky sheet up there where it's like, uh, make sure you know where you stand because if not, someone's going to choose for you. Yeah. You know, and that's some heavy advice right there. Mm -hmm. And I always try to make that a point like every day. It's like, I need to know where I stand. Mm -hmm. I need to have my stance on things because if not, people will make that decision for you. Yeah. You know, and you can sit there and say no, but a lot of ideas you have. Is that something you thought of or is that something you really thought about or is it just, it sounds good, you know? So he would end up, you know, having this person as his guru mm-hmm. and he's following him out. And then uh, he starts recruiting all these college kids to teach meditation and, and relax them. And this is like during the seventies mm-hmm. and poems and paintings and musical instruments. He would do many of these while channeled with God, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And thousands of, Thousands would watch him at these courses. And this is this Chinmoy that um, Lenz was inspired by. Mm-hmm. The United Nations was even following this guy. Like, he was that big of a deal. Yeah. He was a massive deal. And so Lenz, in the meantime, has become this college lecturer. Yeah. He was an English professor yep. at the State University of New York at Stony Brook. And that's where he began his guru career. But also, this was helping him recruit. And you Mm -hmm. see this with a lot of university professors now. Again, none of this stuff has changed. Yeah. His followers never numbered more than a few hundred. And they moved with him to Southern California when he was when he was doing his. um, At one point, he had at one point he had a thousand, they said. But but this whole thing of, um, you know, being a college lecturer, he's recruiting all these kids Mm -hmm. that, you know, I'll go Ozark, don't know shit about fuck. Yeah. You know, and and all this stuff that he's saying sounds amazing. Yeah. All this stuff that he's doing, you know, because it's new. It's something they've never been exposed to before. And like I said, you see this with a lot of university professors constantly mm-hmm. from the 60s all the way up till now. So Lenz begins to try to convince people that he's superseding Chinmoy. Yes. And yeah. he took 40 percent of this guy's following. Yeah. And, and that's when him- he blew up. To Southern California, and they briefly established a colony in Reston in 1988, Mm -hmm. and they took computer jobs and tithed much of their earnings back to Lens. Yeah. So so this gets the whole bit of it. So, like, here's the thing with gurus, and basically the grift is you meditate with the guru, and you're absorbing the energy of the guru. Mm -hmm. You then leave, and your meditation experiences will be more powerful. Right. But here's the deal. You were never meditating, so either way, it's going to bring a benefit. That's the grift. And so what these gurus do is bring this dependency with the guru. So like, you see me, I'm the guru. We have this amazing session together. 
Then the next like two, three days, maybe even a week, you're having these really powerful sessions because you're using this as your springboard and your construct to go off of. But eventually that starts getting watered down. Mm -hmm. It starts getting diluted. Yeah. And so you say, man, I got to reconnect with the guru again and get charged up, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And this is where you get into these dangerous situations with gurus. And it starts free. Doesn't cost any money, yep. but then there becomes this sliding scale for tuitions, and this is where many move to this newer field at this time of yeah. computer programming. Most didn't even know anything about programming, and what they'd end up doing was uh, produce these fraudulent resumes with work experience provided by each other. Right, and then basically they believe that their enlightenment would make them succeed. This is happening now with. An area that I'm not going to mention because yeah. I don't want it corrupt in this episode. But but the fact is, is many failed and they would be blacklisted at companies because they were going to these companies and they're saying, yeah, look, I got all this experience, blah, blah, blah. And they're believing their own bullshit that their enlightenment's going to get them through and figure this out. Mm-hmm. But then it doesn't. And they were freaking breaking companies. They were messing software up. There was people that had no idea what they were doing. And eventually they started getting a bad reputation. They're like, look, don't hire any of these people that are from this group of people Mm -hmm. or affiliated with this other group. And they start getting blacklisted. But on the other hand, there were also many that succeeded. And these followers would now be making more money and giving a large portion to Lentz. And Lentz would give them more energy and they would then try to excel further into their careers. So it becomes this give and take thing. Right. You got somebody who was just naturally good at programming. Right. They would have been good at programming no matter what. Regardless. They didn't need any of this. But they believe they got there because of Lentz. And then they're like, man, I got this promotion coming up, but I don't have the skills for that. I got to jam with Lentz here and I got to get my aura filled or whatever, you know, my, 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 I got to get my light. My light gauge. You got to get recharged. Yeah, I got to get recharged, you know, the new age speak. And, and get into their career. This is the same exact thing that Scientology does with mm-hmm. people like Tom Cruise yeah. and John Travolta to be lifelong followers. If you talk to those two on a, a soft side and not like yeah. in front of the press or anything, they'll always say that they believe that their success comes solely from Scientology. Yeah, and not any yeah. ability that they may have. Yeah, and this is where L. Ron Hubbard was smart because he presented the policies He presented the bridge and the auditing, you know, the energy, Mm -hmm. and all of it was produced by him, but you didn't need him physically present. Right. He had the system. Yeah. And he had you going into the system. So you got students that are now paying like $30,000 a year to be involved in this racket. Yeah. Successful students were paying almost like $5,000 a month. And this is in the freaking 80s. Like that was a freaking ton of money. That was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And they would give all their money and they would sleep on floors and eat ramen together, making all of this money. And Lentz, in the meantime, was buying million dollar homes all over the country to spread enlightenment. And in the late 80s media, and I hate to say this, but the media builds these people up. They build them up all the time. And so they built him up. They're putting all this extra sunlight on him. And he's now starting to really believe his own bullshit. Right. And he's really starting he to get... He got all the way to Phil Donahue. Yeah. 
Well, hey, Phil Donahue was big back in the day. So Washington Post, they start their article with, Frederick P. Lenz III, a controversial guru and best-selling author who concocted a strange spiritual brew of Buddhism in lavish living, snowboarding, and computer programming, was found dead April 13th in the Bay near his Long Island, Mm -hmm. New York estate. Police said they suspected that drugs were involved in his drowning, but were awaiting autopsy results. They were involved. That's Dr. Lenz's recruiting methods left behind a string of embittered, broken-hearted parents, including some who blamed him for their children's disappearances or suicides. Quote, there are a few people who are not exactly expressing sadness about his death, said Thomas Dare, a Philadelphia political consultant who had waged a campaign against Dr. Lenz for the last five years since losing a close friend to the group. Mm-hmm. In 1995, Dare and others so vehemently imposed the planned publication of Dr. Lenz's novel, Surfing the Himalayas, that Warner Books dropped the author. The book was picked up by St. Martin's Press, which heavily promoted it, and also published the sequel, Snowboarding to Nirvana. Both involved the spiritual quest of a young American snowboarder in the mountains of Nepal. Dr. Lenz's critics called them thinly disguised recruitment tracks. In recent years, Dr. Lenz had quit teaching meditation in favor of giving seminars on software development for which students paid him as much as $3,500 a month. Devotees described Dr. Lenz as an enlightened master whose techniques enabled them to become wealthy as well, but dropouts said he encouraged students to inflate their credentials to get lucrative contracts, which is what you were saying. No, and that's what he was doing. He's getting people saying, oh, you want this job thing? You know, you want want to go through this career? Well, you got to do this to get there. And that's so, so he, he's selling what he knows, right. you know, and the other stuff is just, hey, if it works out, it works out. If not, I'll find someone else. So some who left the fold also said Dr. Lenz used LSD to brainwash his followers yeah, and seduce young female acolytes. Two women told the Washington Post that they had sex with, and I'm not going to call him Dr. Lenz because he's not, mm-hmm. Mr. Lenz. Because they thought he had godlike powers and he promised it would increase their chances for enlightenment and reincarnation. A hysterical woman was found at Dr. or at Lenz's Old Field, New York mansion on the day he was discovered dead. Police did not identify her, but told reporters that she and Doc, and she and Lenz may have been taking drugs when he fell from a floating pier. Police divers located the guru's body fully clothed under 20 feet of water at the bottom of the bay. In an interview for a Post story two years ago, Lenz defended having sex with his students as a perfectly acceptable habit. He said he avoided a begging bowl mentality in favor of flashy cars and glamorous trips, but he denied exploiting his followers. I'm a perpetual student of enlightenment, he said. I have never physically or psychologically abused a person in my life. Sure. No, but that's that's again where you believe your own bullshit. Exactly. You know, so again, the, the media builds him up. Yep. They put all the sunlight on him. So now he's believing all his bullshit. And plus, here's the problem with all this stuff. You're around yes people. Exactly. This is like what celebrities have a problem yeah. with is everyone around them is a yes person, never a no person. And they also are trying to succeed around you. You become this enterprise thing. It makes you feel godly. This is where celebrities and all this stuff screw up. But he started claiming 
that he was one of 12 enlightened people in the world. But here's the funny part. The names were never revealed. Right. So what this would produce is, you know, this basically produced a a unique opportunity to people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'd have this unique opportunity to learn from him. Right. And what this does is it creates a a rarity demand is what it's called. Yeah. And so he's doing this by saying, I'm one of 12 enlightened people in the world. And you're like, oh, my God. Oh, wow. I got to be a part of that. And so this was when he started treating women differently. Mm-hmm. This was the 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 gap here. The he catalyst. he made himself a rarity. Yep. He created re- rarity demand. And so this is when he started treating women differently and he was having sex with them and and basically the ones that would have sex with them would achieve this highest level of enlightenment. Weird. Weird that those that had sex with him would achieve the highest but level of But there's people that believe it. There's people, <laughs> I hate to say this, there's yeah. people, I'm going to say people, not just women, but people yeah. that are stupid enough to believe that mm-hmm. and, and convince themselves. Mm-hmm. This is the power that you have to convince yourself for good or bad. Yeah. That pendulum swings both ways. So now the other problem was, is they had men began to leave. Because yeah. they're like, well, I have no means to gain higher yeah. enlightenment because I can't sleep with them. I'm mm-hmm. not a woman. Yeah. So, you know, that. Okay, bye. Yeah. So so they start leaving. So now he's got a problem. So what he, this is when he started building the advertising where he's like, I'm just going to target women specifically. And and they said it yeah. on uh, the, the thing I was listening to. They said it. And women, you can hate this for all you want. But they specifically did this targeting because women were e- becoming easier to convince. Yeah. The men were the problem. And so they yep. s- tried to get. And you see this mm-hmm. with gurus, mm-hmm. especially, but you also see it with cults where yeah. there's this transition where everyone's invited, but then the sex thing comes into play. And then the guys are just out because yeah. the guys are like, wait a second, this is fucked up. Yeah. Okay. It's time for you to get out of here. And, and, and then or they just say, hey, by the way, you can sleep with whoever you want. Yeah, yeah. And and so what they were using in these advertising things was they were using a pro-women's liberation point of view. Mm-hmm. And that was the stuff you were yeah. bringing out of all the liberation stuff yep. and, and all that. And and that's getting this, this group of people closer to them. And, you know, you got to ask the million-dollar question. Why would we love gurus? And they seduce you by telling you what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. That you're gonna be wonderful and you're gonna want you're gonna live forever. Yeah. Who doesn't want to fucking hear that? Exactly. Especially women. Yeah. Women want to hear that they're wonderful. Yeah. They want to hear that they're gonna live forever. Yeah. What the hell's wrong with that? This guy's this guy's in my corner. This guy's rooting for me. Mm-hmm. You know. And you're just shutting me down. Yeah. You know. Okay. Fine. I don't so, want to live forever. So the advertising would specifically read: Are you a victim of sexual slavery? Social condition? Economic discrimination, religious and spiritual discrimination, social pressure, inadequate role models, lack of support from other women, fear of rejection. That's everybody. And it's still happening today. Yeah. The grift that you're seeing now with the diversity, equity, and inclusion and the woke stuff, they're saying the same freaking slogans. Yeah. Nothing has changed. No. And I'll say it repeatedly. This is the class end of victimhood. Yeah. Once you convince yourself that you're a victim, I don't have to do anything. No. You did all the heavy lifting. You did all the work. I just have to reinforce the belief structure right. that you created for yourself. Yeah. 
I just have to be I just have to be reminding you. That's all that I got to do. I got to remind you of the prison you built around For yourself. yourself. Yeah. And this is this is how it works. And so you had a group here of over a thousand faithful members. 300 to 400 of them were dedicated members that were actually financing the movement. They established all over the country with bases in Palo Alto, Malibu, New York, and Boston. And then, you know, here's another thing that cult leaders and gurus do. They relocate often while bringing the members. Yeah. And so what this does is that separates them from their families, their friends, their support network, for starters. But also what takes place, and this is something we haven't really talked about with cults, okay. is it, if the situation has tension in it, and that's a, a reason why they leave, like it's just, it's getting too tense. Mm -hmm. The bullshit's piling mm -hmm. up or whatever, but it gets tense. The moving creates this fresh start mentality, and that becomes very liberating, even for the members. Because mm -hmm. they're like, wow, I'm not in Boston anymore. I'm in Malibu. I can do a whole new start now. I can meet new people. I can do things, you know, and it becomes that perpetual thing. And then once they're there for a while and they start meeting people and people are like, dude, you know, you shouldn't, this is messed up or that's messed up. And they start chipping away at the, the structure of the whole organization. Yeah. Oh, we got to move again, you know. And, right, yeah. You know, Jones was the best at that. And then he thought he could get away from everything at South America. Yeah. And that's when it all. Jonestown. Or, yeah. yeah, with Jonestown. And that's when it all fell apart because the idea sucks. So you got people that would just leave and family members would report them as missing. Yeah. Because they're detached from everything. This is when he starts dosing them with LSD for further manipulation. Yeah. And many of the followers, well-educated, strong IQs, they had good jobs, careers. But what they lacked and what the majority of cult followers lacked and this big thing was education and comparative religions. If they knew at all what Buddhism was, they would have been like, this guy's a piece of shit. Yeah. You know, but when you don't understand any comparative religion, this is why I always tell people, like, you need to at least get a base understanding of what each religion is. Yeah. Figure out what the base thing of Islam is. Mm -hmm. Figure out the base thing for Christianity, for Judaism, mm -hmm. for Buddhism, for, yeah. you know. Taoism. Taoism and Shintoism, all this stuff. Hinduism. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying you need to be an expert, but just no. get like the foundational stuff. Yeah, the basics. Yeah, because then when someone comes into your life and tries to sell you stuff, because I even say that with Christianity. It's like, yeah. read the Bible yourself. Yes. You know, if you're looking to understand Christianity, that's all you got to do is read the Gospels. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. it's four books, right? Four, five, four. I don't know. You it's know, been a while. Yeah. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And uh, you read those. That's the life of Christ. Yes. Anything you want to know about Christ, it's primarily in those four books. Mm -hmm. And it's cross-referenced by those four different authors. And you have that foundational knowledge. Now, when somebody comes up to you and says this and that and the other thing, you can be like, well, you know... I read this thing. Actually. <laughs> yeah. You know, I read this thing and I don't know if that's true. You know, so in Zen Master Rama's case, none of these followers had any understanding about Buddhism and what it was really about. So he could just yeah, he tell could them say and do whatever anything. the fuck he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're hungry for spiritual enlightenment or success, yeah. you're you're yeah. you're in this. Yeah. And then Buckle what it, up. and then what happens is is it creates the self-sealing social system. And this is with all the cults. You know, anything critical of that self-sealing social system is considered ignorant, 
evil, or some other thought-terminating cliche that prevents the person from thinking about outside the criticism. That's what you got with the woke stuff now. Yeah. It's the same thing. If you are critical of that social system, you're ignorant, you're evil, you're some other thought-terminating cliche that yeah. prevents that person to be protected in the bubble to not think about that criticism. Exactly, yes. This shit is not new. Yeah. It's been around forever no. for a long time. Mm-hmm. These true followers actually believe that he could stop their heart. He believed that they could that he could give them cancer. Yep. And he also believed that they could flip their car while driving. This is how in to this guy the true followers were. And this is what you have to understand about cults. It's like you've got that group you can peel away. You got that other group that's stuck. Yeah. But then you've got this other part of the group. All in. They're all freaking in. Yeah. You know, and there's no change in them. There's no nothing. They, this is it. They've been created. Ladies, unless you're a cult leader, your guru, looks like the mountain from uh, Game of Thrones, he can't flip your car. (laughs) Yeah, so you have these gurus and cult leaders and they're influencers. It's really like to put a modern day spin on it. They're they're influencers. So, you know, you want to believe that you're sensitive you want to follow someone who's special and then, you know, you'll see, you'll see what they want you to see and more important what you want to see. Oh yeah. You know, these chicks, uh, these broads, they are all in and they are eating his shit pie for oh, all yeah. that it's worth. Yeah. And they're like, give me more. Yeah. No, they, they can't there's get not, enough. There's not a critical thought in any of their minds. Yeah. So he drowns in Long Island yeah. And um, he took 150 pills of Valium. 150. What could go wrong? It's fucking insane. <laughs> when he, He's not even probably a person anymore. He's probably just light. No, he's just so, I mean, golden light. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's a he's go- got to have all the drugs. He's a golden shower in a porn film. <laughs> so so he, uh, he never groomed a successor. And they're still members. To this yeah. day, um, he had a net worth of eighteen million dollars when he left. You know, Ugh. when he when he when he died. So that he siphoned off of those poor people. Yeah. So then, so then I find this nice little tidbit of information, and uh, you know, it just it never ceases to amaze me. So, the Cult Awareness Network. Yes. Can oh, your favorite helped many get deprogrammed from cults. Yes. You know. So Scientology destroyed Can. Oh. Yeah, this is a no, that's not my website that I listed. This is a different thing. Oh, okay. So so Scientology destroyed them. Okay. And what they did is they destroyed it like they destroy everyone else. This is how they do it. They created this enormous amount of lawsuits. Yes. And they bankrupt the organization. Yes. They sued the Can group 50 times. <laughs> Okay. One member got 12 suits in one week. This is what Scientology. This is why no one talks about Scientology. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is it right here. They yeah. just, they just, they ass pound you in the legal system mm-hmm. and no one, no one can handle it. That's what they're doing now with some politicians, not yeah. Scientology, but yeah. people, you know. So Scientology was massively funded with legal teams and, and funds. Mm-hmm. And the problem was, is the cult awareness network was not through this little teeny nonprofit right, yeah. thing trying to help 
people, yeah. you know? So they bankrupt Can. Can had to sell all their assets. So guess who bought all their assets? Scientology. They were the only top bidder. And so Scientology purchased Can in 1996. So whenever you called after 1996, yep. whenever you called one of those old cult awareness network numbers, yep. those CAN numbers, you got Scientology. You ended up talking to a Scientologist. How freaking dirty is that? I, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. That's what they are. Yeah. So So now could you imagine you're in Scientology and you're trying to break out? You finally get out. Yeah. And you don't know how to do anything. You don't know how to function. So you're like, you know what? I'm going to reach out to this. I'm going to reach out to this called awareness network, network and you're calling Scientology. <sighs> yeah. Back to. It's uh, a special place in hell for those people. Seriously. I'm sorry. There really is. I mean, that's. I read that and that you can see it. It's the last thing on my notes. Like, I was just like, I can't. I just, I got to walk away from this. Like it's, it's that stuff that, and this is before everything happened to me these last three right. months, you know, yeah. now I'm at a point where I'm just like, yeah, that's just crazy. So guys, I'm going to give you a little factoid to take with you on uh doofus uh, Rama here. He spent a year in prison in a prison work camp for marijuana possession in 1969. But don't worry, guys. He denied abusing drugs because he loves physical activities, including snowboarding and scuba, scuba diving. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? Yeah. Oh no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't do drugs. I, I, yo, man, I like to snowboard. I like to scuba dive. You can't, you can't do drugs. Maybe. You were doing the drugs, and you only thought you were snowboarding and scuba diving. No, and really, you're just sitting on your couch eating Fritos. That's something a non-drug user would say. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it just no. I I just like no bullshit was his. Yeah, his his uh, his equity. It's what he said. You know, and um, yeah, it's just. It's it's more the same as far as that goes. And like I said, that the cult awareness network thing, I, I read that oh. and I was just sitting there. I was like, all the people that were trying to get out of cults. Fuck them. Yeah. Yeah. And again, this is, you know, people sit there and we've said it from time to time. It's like, why won't they go after this group? It's the lawsuits. Yeah. They litigate you yeah. till you're they done. They litigate you to death. Yeah. Till you're done. The yep. process is the punishment. Yep. You know, and people really need to, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. People need to wake up and see that that happens mm -hmm. and they have to see the forest from the trees. Yeah. I don't care what your feelings are about certain people and who they are and what they are and what you've been led to believe by them. But if somebody's literally just getting sued to be sued yeah. and just, you know, because even now there's current court cases with people where they're getting sued and they're rushing the dates. Like they're rushing the dates to get it soon. And it's like, that's unheard of in courts. Because even if you're a prosecutor, you want as much time as possible to gather yeah. all your evidence to present your case. You do have the right to a speedy trial, but at the same time, you have to weigh the pros and cons about whether or not you have given your defense yeah, but enough what I'm time saying is, is to a defend you. A yeah. district attorney never 
says, I want this case as fast as possible. They don't. They don't want that. They need to process all the evidence. They need to get the story, the narrative and all that stuff. It's it's really it's it's a really crazy time. And I hate to say it, Scientology started a lot of that. They were started the idea of this and the mm-hmm. fact that instead of being afraid to go after them, they're just doing the same thing because yeah. it fucking works. It does. Yeah. I mean, well, you, you th- and it also helps that they've got billions in their coffers. No, I know, but that's what I'm getting at is like even you look at all the podcasts of all the people that talk shit about Scientology. Mm-hmm. They don't care about us. No. We're just little podcasts. Yeah, we don't mean but shit. But if we all of a sudden broke broke, yeah. All of a sudden we'd be getting letters in the mail. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I said it in every single Scientology episode. It's like yeah. if you want to speak your piece, blah, 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 you know, but they yeah. they're not paying attention because they no, look nothing. and they're like, no, they're just the top five percent. That's all. Yeah. We're after the top. Nobody's listening. We're after the top 0.1% and all that stuff. That's the ones we're going to make their life miserable and do whatever. And that's, that says a lot. Well, yeah, because those people actually have something to lose. They're actually. Well, no, it's more, it's more people now, you know? And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. But this stuff with like the, the gurus, it's, you know, I don't know how many more guru stories I want to do, you know, to be honest, because we've done enough. Yeah. And we've talked about it enough. And it's just the same. Yeah. It's, it's the, the same, same guy. stuff. It's the same guy over and over and over again. And then the thing is, is you start putting the parallels to it with celebrities mm-hmm. and the impact that celebrities have on people. And honestly, what the fuck are they selling? Nothing. Nothing at all. No. You know, that's where I think Oprah's the grandmaster of all that. Oprah had all these people believe in, A, that she was a specific type of person, which she wasn't. No. You know, and I I would literally put her, she's in an evil category. Mm -hmm. And then you start dipping into this stuff that she was doing over in Hawaii. It was freaking crazy. Yeah. I was almost, it's almost its own show. Yeah. You know, I mean, but this stuff she was doing in Hawaii during the fires and all that stuff, like fucking ruthless. Yeah. You know, and- and, uh, you know, even all that stuff, because I remember <laughs> now that my mom's passed away, we'll probably hear a lot of these stories, you know, but uh, God rest her soul in heaven. But she was a huge Oprah fan. She'd oh, watch yeah. her every day, four oh, yeah. o'clock. Oh, yeah. You know, and she Oprah's giving away all these cars. I'm like, Mom, Oprah ain't giving away those cars. Oprah's not giving you away know? shit. She's, well, where the cars come from? I said, it's from Dodge or Chrysler yeah. or Chevy yeah. or whoever. Yeah. They're donating the cars. Yeah. She ain't donating no. those cars. She's not doing any of that crap. No. You know, and then you just sit there and start breaking the stuff down, you know, but she wanted to like her. Like the idea of changing what her thought was of her was not healthy to her. No. Like she just didn't want to accept it. No, I just think she's a good person. I'm like, I just pointed out to where she's not a good person. Yeah. Nah, she's a good person, you know, and it's, that's how it's fucking done. Yep. And, and it's done that's the amazing part. It's not just kids, you know, like you yeah. see some musical artists and you look at kids and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, it's an easy thing to sway, but talk show hosts do it. Movies do it, you know, and that's where I definitely look at my age where I've grown and looked at people who, man, I thought in like my twenties, I thought they were smart. I thought they were geniuses. I thought they were the shit. Yeah. And I look back now and it's just like, nah, they were just a regular person, yeah. but just had too much exposure. 
and that does things, you know, and there's a lot of the celebrities that have that cult like fame. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they're any different than these gurus. No. At all. No. You know, especially when you start drilling into it. And then the worst part is, is you start telling someone, you know, like, have you considered this or have you considered that? And you hear the, this is where we get into the whole psychology of all of it, where it's, you know, they don't want to accept that. No. Because then it ruins everything else, you know, and that's. You can't mess with people's believies. It's tough. It yeah. really, truly is. And that's where, like, I think when that is so focused around a specific person and you get into that type of idol worship. That's why they say, don't meet your heroes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's because they're just normal people. Mm -hmm. There's nothing crazy there. Or worse, you, know. you thought they were a normal or a nice person. And then when you meet them, you oh, you find out they're terrible. They're not. And yeah. you're like, oh. And I'm sorry, that level of fame that people get at where you're looking at multi, multi-million dollars and all this stuff, you don't do that with a kiss and a smile. Mm -mm. I don't no. care. I no. don't care who it is. I don't. I don't care if it's Tom Hanks. I don't yeah. care if it's Taylor Swift. I don't care if it's Kanye West. I don't care who you're talking about. It's a cutthroat business. And I think now we're in a beautiful point in time where we're really learning firsthand how cutthroat that business is. Yeah. You got people coming out of the woodwork now because they're starting to get older. They're getting at that age. You've got podcasting where people can branch out on their own. And you're. I think the next five to 10 years, people are going to hear shit that fucking blows their skull apart about people. Yeah. You know, you're hearing it already. It's starting to dribble out. But more and more, I think it's going to come out and you're just, yeah, the whole don't meet your heroes thing. I think a lot of people are going to meet their heroes in the next five to 10 years, unfortunately. You know, so, yeah, with that being said, it's Zen Master Rama. It is. So we actually, I was looking while you were uh, sharing your ideas. Mm hmm we actually have one episode that we haven't done that we had scheduled out yes. before September. Or, I mean, December. Yes. And that was Danvers State Hospital. It is. So yeah. why don't we do Danvers State Hospital okay. next week? All right. And then we'll create a whole new... Uh, whole new list. A whole new list. So, Which is cool, because I got... Notes on them? All oh, yeah, these yeah. ideas. No, we, we, yeah, we have a bunch of stuff. As we've said before, there's no shortage of uh Guys, I've stuff, got like so. four years worth yeah. of this stuff. No. We would just have to sit down and record it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I apologize for the delay. Um, it was something we definitely didn't want to do. And we had a couple moments where we were thinking, uh, you know, and then cranking an episode. But something would happen. We just said, you know what? Why don't we just wait until all, all right. this is the majority of it's uh, through. So... Yeah, I'd safe to say, knock on wood, that we're back in action and uh, we'll be back on our weekly basis. I know also we promised uh, some video things and all that. That's going to get delayed a bit yeah. as well. Um, you know, we're going to just hop. Stuff happened, guys. Yeah, we're going to hop back on audio and uh, get back to what our, uh, our our bread and butter is, you know. Our, our get back into the swing of things before we start adding other things Our forte, to it. but uh, I definitely want to get into video and, and doing some on-location stuff. And, yeah. and I'm still very interested in the idea of uh, possibly doing some 
very limited guest uh, episodes and things like that. So, yo, man, I want to hunt Bigfoot. No, yeah, that's an operation. I mean, yeah, I put a lot of thought into that in the hospital when I was just kind of. I'm sure I had my down moments. You're... I can't say a whole lot of downtime because yeah. I was running around like crazy. But I started thinking about the logistics of all that, and and then there's that almighty question of how rough in the woods do you want to go? Because let's be honest. You're not a strong camper. No. You know. Well, I did in put order that to shout hunt, out to Bass Pro, po- Bass Pro yeah. Shops for their indoorsy yeah. t-shirt. So in order to hunt Bigfoot. I know. You know, we can't do it in a fifth wheel is what I'm getting at. <laughs> Can we do it in a pop-up? <laughs> no. No, we cannot. We actually have to go remotely into a spot. We got to go into the woods. Then we have to get out of the vehicle and then... Go deeper into the woods. Yeah. Which I'm well aware of what that takes because that was a big chunk of my life. But yeah. you're, um, I need a lot of tick repellent because they really yeah. like me. You need to be able to walk 10 miles with a pack. Yeah. 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 I mean, I could walk the 10 miles, not with a pack. Whoa. Or if the pack is really light, <laughs> easy trigger. Yeah, so. Yo, we did 10 miles just walking around Salem in a day. Yeah, with a lot of breaks, and that's pavement. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's pavement. So, yeah, so the the Bigfoot thing, asterisk next to that. (laughs) Haunted locations I'd like to do. Yeah. But we got to get equipment for that, and we've got uh, some things we're structuring around that we can't talk about right now, Mm. but. We will be talking about, uh, hopefully, I'd say in a couple weeks. We don't talk. Well, we're trying. So, with that being said, rule number one. (laughs) No Ouija boards. Number two. No dolls. Three. No capes. No capes at all. Four. No blood rituals. Yeah. It's not a good start. I'm going to hard stop for a second because I heard a story about a haunted supposedly haunted house Mm -hmm. and they called in a priest and the priest brought a Ouija board. That's not a priest. That's not a priest. (laughs) And you don't invite them into your house. (laughs) That's not a priest. Fucking people. (laughs) Rule number five. (sighs) No cults, satanic or otherwise. Yeah. Or gurus. (sighs) Seriously. Number six. No apathy. You need to act to help enact enact a positive change in this world yeah do small things mm-hmm. you know just be nice yeah. dalton that shit <laughs> just just be nice say hi yeah please but also thank you. here's the thing that drives me nuts with social media do it do it and be invisible like if you're gonna do it and try to get credit for it it's not yeah it's not worth it yeah it's not it doesn't have the same effect you know I really have a hard time with that where I'll see a video of somebody and they're like in a restaurant and he gives the waitress like a $400 tip. Now, the funny part about it is the lighting's beautiful, all that other stuff. It's like, okay, this is a setup. Yeah. You know, but then I'll talk to somebody and be like, oh, did you see this video passing around where the guy, it's like, no, it's a setup. What do you mean? It's like, really? There's that kind of lighting in a restaurant or a, a diner? Yeah. You know, come on. You know, but also just the fact that he had to do that and- it's it's not giving anymore because no. you're receiving more. 
Yeah. You're getting the likes, you're getting the views, yeah. and you're getting the sponsors for your page. Yeah. We're really in a dark spot right now. We I are. really, yeah. really hate to say it, but it's that kind of stuff that gets under my skin where it's like, that is exactly the opposite of yeah. what you're trying to do there. And it or just, what you're supposed to be the doing. The narcissism yeah. is on level 11 mm -hmm. out of 10. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Next rule. Don't engage with black identities. That hasn't changed. Nope. At all. That stands. Yes. I know we've been on a sabbatical and hiatus. Yeah. But that stands right there. No. Yeah. Last and not least. Don't do it as bad. Just listen. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know. It's not hard. It's easy. You know. It is. Just meditate. Just shut up. Just meditate and stare into me and, yeah, do some deep breathing. See? Oh, yeah. Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the light. That's the we light. It's golden. I felt it. It's golden, Pony Boy. <laughs> so with that being said, uh, thank you so much for your patience if you stuck around. Yeah. If not, that's fine. What was really cool was people have been listening the whole time. I know. That was great. Thank yeah. you so much, by yeah. the way. I can't believe it took this long to get that out. But yeah. No, thank you. I You don't know how much it meant because I never was a analytics person. I didn't really care. No. But there were some times where I was really down in the hospital, just down and out, just not liking the whole situation. And I'd look and I'd see all the people that were listening to us for a a day or that yeah. last week or or whatever it would be i know because and you it was would... just like okay and i remember calling you at night to give you the recap yeah. of the day and i was like babe i'm like you won't believe this i'm like everybody's still listening or yeah. there's still a lot of people listening so it was very cool i hope maybe some of you got a chance to creep into the back catalog yeah you know but uh there's some juicy nuggets yeah. in there but thanks for sticking with us and for those that have moved on yeah i get it man you know out with the old, in, in with, with the, the new. new. So, so much for a weekly podcast. It's been yeah, three months. This guy's are stupid. You know. Yeah. And for all those that are curious, HR and the creative director are absolutely perfect. As a matter of fact, uh, creative director here has been in deep REM sleep throughout yeah. the last half of this. Yeah, he's been out And he's cold. been chasing a squirrel or something. I saw him fluttering a bit over there. Oh, yeah. his back legs. Yeah. Yeah. He was going. So with that being said, have an amazing day, a lovely week. And make good choices. Take care. <laughs>